Hey, good morning. It is 11.07, and, uh, well, global warming. <laughs> Got an interesting piece of audio we're going to play uh, from Queensland, Australia. Uh, I think you're going to find this uh, very enlightening. I, I suppose the progressives in the world won't, but the rest of you will. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Matt Nichols with us from the CPOA uh, on the city council race uh, that uh, they've endorsed a candidate. So let's bring him on board. We'll kick this segment of the program off right there. Matt, good morning. How are you? Morning, Gary. All right. So uh, you guys have, you've, well, let, let me do this. Let me, let me find out from you just how it is uh, that uh, the CPOA is endorsing a candidate. How do you do that? Do you, do you, do you poll the uh, police officers? Uh, how's that decision made? Yeah, so we have a, a board of directors that we get together and we have uh, individuals from the board of directors as well as others that we appoint to basically um, a committee, if you will. And we uh, typically solicit out uh, to the candidates, have them come in. We have a kind of a set of standard questions we ask them. And uh, after we allow them to just kind of tell us about themselves. And then after we have those interviews, we'll sit down, we discuss it. Uh, weigh the pros and cons, and then if we determine uh, that we want to make an endorsement, uh, we do that. And you decided you're going to endorse uh, Don uh, Waterman. Uh, what, what what made you decide to endorse him of all people? Well, you know, Gary. I mean, we really looked at all the factors to play uh, in some of the issues that we're seeing. Uh, not only uh, you know with our organization, but as a city. And, you know, we, we really look at the, the pros and cons of what a council uh, councilman uh, or councilwoman can bring to the table, not only for our membership, but for our community. And when we sat down and, and after having uh, spoke with, with Don and his uh, 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 opposition, uh, Don just really stuck out to us. He really stood out with his stance on public safety, uh, with his stance on uh, support for uh, first responders, specifically, you know, the men and women of the Columbia Police Department. And he just, he really just kind of stood out to us. All right. Now, this is the Fifth Ward. That's Southwest Columbia. Um, mm -hmm. so, so what would he do that you think would make Columbia a safer city. What did he recommend? What did he advocate for? Well, you know, the one of the first things that, uh, in fact, when Don initially announced uh, that he was going to run for city council, uh, I was in a group of people. He had no idea who I was. Uh, and, you know, one of the things he was talking about was having a fully staffed uh, police department and then fire department with, you know, EMS personnel. Uh, and that's what he was talking about at that time is, you know, it's, it's concerning that uh, for Don and his family being citizens of Columbia is that we don't have a fully staffed police department and, and fire and EMS. And that that really kind of struck me because uh, we've heard, you know, council people in the past that, you know, have, have talked about all the other alternatives to having a fully staffed, you know, police and fire department. But that was really his priority. And, and taking a look at, at that public safety element. And I think that, you know, Don has uh, uh, the the experience, the, the background with his military career, his business career, to be able to help 
via voice on the city council to find ways to staff our police and fire departments and 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 keep them staffed. Uh, and, and on top of you know his stance of, of public safety and and how we need to support those first responders. You just turned the radio on. Pat Nichols with us, uh, CPOA. Uh, Matt, uh, what did I say, Pat? Matt, Matt Nichols. I'm sorry. I changed your first name. You don't I've mind, been, do you? I've been called worse. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, uh, I know yeah, some people worse. who... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the CPOA has come out to endorse Don Waterman, uh, and he's explaining the process and, and what it is. Let me ask you, uh, how long has it been? Because there there's an ideal ratio, isn't there, per population, number of law enforcement? Yeah, so, you know, we have, uh, you know, just to, to throw it out there, we have about the same number of patrol cops on the street right now as we did in 1999. And there's a huge population change in that amount of time. Oh, twice, yeah. And so, you know, there's any number of statistics that, you know, you can use. The FBI a few years ago came out and said, you should really have about two and a half uh sworn in uniform police officers per thousand residents. Uh, do the math on that. We should have about 300 cops is what we should have. Uh, depending, and, and we're taking into account the university and students and, and, and everything else, right? We should have about 300 uniforms is what we have. We've got less than half. We have half that, right? Wow. I mean, that's scary. You know what I mean? I mean, just to, to know that we have, you know, about the same number of people in patrol cars right now responding to uh, emergencies as we did 24 years ago. That's a scary thing. The uh, former mayor was, uh, I think, uh, in favor of law enforcement. I think he was a, a, a supporter. What what prevented us from getting more law enforcement officers uh, on the payroll then? Well, I mean, ultimately, it's funding. Um, and, you know, so it's and that's kind of a, a double-edged sword, right? I mean, you know, funding is always going to provide more, more police officers, more availability. But the problem we have now is we have vacancies. We have somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 vacancies. Uh, I, I Honestly, Gary, I, I don't know exactly what it is because it fluctuates uh, between retirements, uh, between... Uh, you know, folks leaving for other departments and leaving for other uh, careers. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's always uh, always a number that's on the move, uh, which in turn, you know, is is kind of a scary thing. All right, so we may not have enough money to uh, put more uh, more men and women on the street. Uh, you you mentioned going to other departments. Are we paying them enough to get to get them to stay? No. No, I mean that's a simple answer for me, uh, and I've I've said it before. When you know when our officers uh, can go to the Jeff City Police Department and get a ten thousand dollars signing bonus just for having a post certification, that's a big deal. Uh, right now, you know uh, the the great folks out at the Sheriff's Department here in Moon County, uh, they just got a pretty substantial pay raise. Uh, so, you know, our folks could go to the, the service department. Uh, they could make a, it's around 11% uh, more starting. Uh, plus, they have the advantage of a take-home car program. They, they have a, 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 a unique scheduling system that, that uh, uh, is really, in, in my eyes, is, is kind of a, a cool way that, that they do their scheduling. 
Um, and honestly, they don't have, you know, a lot of activists, uh, you know, some that may even be on our city council that, you know, are seeking to defund them and, and you know, completely tear them apart at every, uh, at, uh, every chance that they get. You know, that take-home car program, people may not know this, but but I know it because I lived in a neighborhood where uh, uh, there was a law enforcement uh, officer who brought a, a vehicle, parked it in their driveway, and I actually felt uh, a little more secure uh, in that neighborhood. Uh, I think that goes a long way to cutting crime. Uh, tell me about this um, uh, Greg Bush well, so, uh, you know, we had the opportunity to sit down with Greg, and, and uh, Greg's a very nice guy. Uh, I think we had a very in-depth, very honest conversation with Greg. Uh, Greg was really focusing on the labor side of things. Uh, we are, you know, as, as, as everyone knows, we are a, a police union. Um, and, you know, we've, we had the opportunity to bargain collectively with the city of Columbia. And Greg really was, you know, really focused on, you know, that angle of, um, you know, working on, you, you know, the, the labor, uh, the laborer's point of view, which I can appreciate. And I think we can all appreciate, um, where he really fell short is, uh, the, the true public safety element and support for, for our men and women who wear the uniform and wear badges. Uh, I, I am, confident in saying that my membership would rather have, you know, less, uh, uh, less of a pay raise if we had a, a, if we had stronger support, uh, for public safety, because public safety is our number one goal. And that is Don's number one goal. And we just, our visions align. Um, so what is the, the, we don't need armed people on the streets? To keep us safe? Uh, yeah. So uh, there was a forum a while back, and uh, I know that, uh, that Don and, and uh, Greg had an opportunity to, to talk about those things. And, and uh, that, that quote uh, definitely helped, uh, helped in our decision. Uh, and, and Greg had an opportunity to expand on it. And, and again, I, I, you know, I really think that we had a great conversation with him, a very true and honest conversation with him. Um, it just ultimately, it came down to, you know, when, when we make statements like that, and then he, you know, later follows it up with, uh, some other comments about a, you know, peacekeeping, uh, unarmed group. Uh, he referenced, uh, uh, an organization that worked, uh, in Sri Lanka. Um, I don't know that that is exactly falls in line with, uh, the vision that we have set forth in Colombia. Um, and, and I really think that with us being at a very critical point in our community with, you know, shootings all the time, you know, the, the number of homicides that we have, the amount of gun violence and other violence that we have, uh, I, I don't know that that really falls in line with the immediate need and action of having a fully staffed police department and, and having the resources and giving the tools to our police department that we can uh, affect the change immediately with our community. Matt, are there any other races that uh, you've endorsed uh, in this uh, coming cycle? Uh, we have not. 
uh, I wish uh, all the candidates and all races and, and uh, the municipal election, uh, I wish them luck. Uh, the first ward is not one that, uh, that we decided to get involved with. Um, but, you know, with, uh, with our endorsement for, for Don Waterman, uh, I hope that your audience and, and those around, you know, really time, uh, take time to, to do the research and, and, you know, really understand why, uh, the, the men and women of, of the Columbia Police Officers Association, uh, chose Don as, uh, as the person we want to, uh, uh, see when, when that fits word seat. All right. Matt Nichols, CPOA, thank you for being with us. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate you. All right. Take care. All right. We're up against the, uh, the clock. We've got to take a quick break. When we come back, Malcolm Roberts of Queensland making some observations about global warming that the lefties in the audience really need to pay attention to. Gary Nolan Zimmer, Radio Network. It is 1123. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. So we have all these rules here in Colombia about uh, CO2 and global warming and their, uh, the price of electricity is exorbitant. The, 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 they're just looking for uh, windmills and batteries and all kinds of green energy stuff. It's costing, it's costing a fortune. Uh, it really makes it challenging for, for the poor uh, to pay their bills. But uh, we've got uh, this uh, guy from uh, Queensland, uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts, and he makes a couple of points that I really think you leftists who are just so convinced about uh, anthropogenic global warming, you really ought to take this into consideration. Uh, as an engineer educated in atmospheric gases, and as a business manager, I was responsible for hundreds of people's lives based on my knowledge of atmospheric gases. I listen to scientists, I cross-examine scientists, and I debate the science. I have never found anyone for logical scientific points based on empirical scientific evidence that shows we have anything to worry about at all. And the basics are this. When you burn a hydrocarbon fuel, you burn molecules containing carbon and hydrogen. With oxygen, they form CO2, carbon dioxide, and H2O, water vapor. That's it. Carbon dioxide is essential for all life. But let's go beyond the science and have a look at natural experiment. We've had two natural experiments, global experiments, in the last 14 years. The first was in 2009, when the use of hydrocarbon fuels in the recession that followed the global financial crisis reduced. There was less carbon dioxide produced from from human use of hydrocarbons. And what, did that, what happened to the level of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere? It kept increasing. And what happened in 2020, when we had a, a major recession, almost a depression around the world as, as a result of COVID restrictions placed by governments? We saw the same reduction in hydrocarbon fuel use by humans, the same cut in carbon dioxide output from humans, and yet carbon dioxide in the atmosphere continued increasing. And those who understand the science understand that it is fundamental. Humans cannot and do not affect the level of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. It's controlled by nature entirely. So, I'm going to, uh, I don't know, Brian, I'm almost tempted to throw this out there as a question. The, where then is the CO2 coming from? I, I know where the CO2 is coming from. And CO2 is a good thing. It's great for growing plants and things like that, and... Uh, you cannot stop CO2 from being formed. Well, maybe you could if you got rid of all the water in the ocean. But until we do that, 
CO2 will continue to form. And it, it, that's really where it comes from. I mean, you, you sunlight hits the ocean and uh, CO2 forms. This guy, this is what he did for a living, and he knows it's not real. This whole global warming farce that they're using to destroy the economy is being pursued in progressive governments everywhere, including in Colombia. It's being shoved down the throats of your children if they're in government schools. It's being shoved down your throat in the media, whether you check with the, the network news or you watch TV programs. It's always man-made global warming. It's global warming this, global warming that. They're so convinced that global warming is the great ill of all time that one, I think it was a CNN reporter, actually asked uh, an astronomer about a passing comet whether it had something to do with global warming. We used to play it on the air, the, this idiot asking this question. Everything that's me, you got a hangnail, it's global warming. But it's not. Uh, let me go to the phones here. Bill is on the line. Bill, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. Hey, so I had a general sciences class in high school, I think my freshman year, 1980. And, and we learned more from that class about... Uh, it's, we have humans have nothing to do with this, and I learned that in high school. It's photosynthesis, forest fires, volcanic eruptions, everything in nature creates carbon monoxide. And if people think that because you warm your car up in the morning before you go to work is a cause for global warming, they're just so naive. And it doesn't help that Hollywood and, and, and pundits and, and the government fuel the fire. It's, it's nothing more than a money-making venture to them. You could, you could thank Al Gore for that. But absolutely, and Mitt Romney, oh my God, those two alone have created more havoc about global warming than any scientist ever has in, in, in the history of, of this global warming phenomenon. But ask people in Buffalo, New York, or people who live along the Great Lakes, when they're shoveling seven feet of snow, what they think about global warming. Yeah, as I've put it on the past, 20%, 20% of yeah. the globe is in a drought all the time. Uh, there's, it's nature. Yes. It's nature, and we have nothing to do with that. Absolutely right. And as long as the sunlight hits the ocean, you got CO2 being formed constantly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, this idea that it's man-made is just a bunch of bunk. And yeah, CO2 well, it's is... Money. And it's money. Yeah, well, it's all about redistribution of wealth. It, 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 we're at the point right now, Gary, where it's not blue versus red or liberal versus uh, uh, conservative. It's, it's, it's common sense versus crazy. And, and people need to start thinking that way when they go to the ballot box. Yeah, it, you're exactly right. It is common sense versus crazy, from transgenders to global warming and redistribution of wealth and government regulations. It is insane what we're putting up with. That is an asteroid. Is this an effect of global warming? <laughs> I mean, how, how devoted to the global warming scam do you have to be? To think an asteroid is the result of global warming. It's crazy making. Gary Nolan shows Zimmer Radio Network. This 
is the Gary Nolan Show. It is 11.35. Glad to have you with us, uh, the Gary Nolan Show. Brian sent me a link to a... a no, why did you send me a link to a, a, a Sears and Rubbish home? Well, uh, it came across my news feed, and it occurred to me as like uh, the prices of homes back in uh, 1916 were quite reasonable today. Okay. And I thought you, maybe you'd be interested in that. Well, now, now I am interested. Yeah. I want to just see... If, um, you know what I'm doing? You're, uh, on the, um, inflation calculator? That's exactly where I'm going. Yeah, I figured you would. Um, let me just see here. $938. That's a uh, two-story home, too. Uh, let's see. So what year was this? 1916. 1916. Well, there's... Okay. Let's find out just 2023 uh, if an item cost $938. He sent me this ad uh, for a Sears and Roebuck, uh, Roebuck uh, home. Modern home number 264B179, $938. And for that, they would send you pretty much everything you need to build a house. You can buy the plans for a dollar, um, and it's, uh, does it say how many square feet, Brian, altogether? Uh, it does, let's see, it was uh, close to 2,000 square feet. Uh, I mean, it's got uh, four bedrooms, uh, kitchen, dining room, living room, reception hall. All right, let's see what that would cost uh, if we were to buy it today. You know, well, some, Brian, it's interesting. The, I looked this up in the inflation calculator. The same item today would cost $25,745. Now, real estate's going to be a little bit different because it seems the real estate market, homes definitely uh, are exponential in their value. And maybe they're just talking about the price of cash. Well, yeah, if you bought something in 1916 for $938, today it would cost $25,745. The cumulative rate of inflation is 2,644.7%. So, you know, we distort the market with government involvement. When the government offers loans uh, and... and uh, discounted interest rates because of their involvement, that distorts the marketplace. But if it was just the material to build the house, it's 2,644% uh, inflation rate. That's what you get when you just keep printing money. You, you end up with that kind of inflation rate. Uh, by the way, it says uh, U.S. inflation rate remains sticky with January CPI at 6.4%. Interest rates are going to have to go up. They're going to have to go up. This, by the way, they got a picture of this thing, of this house, not an actual photograph. It's a, a looks like a, a drawing um, or a painting. And I would love that house. Me too. That is just beautiful. 
uh, on the Sears house. Brent is on the line. Hey, Brent, good morning. How are you? I'm good. This is Brent Voorhees Auctioneer. I would say probably about 40 years ago, we sold a house in Macon for an estate, and it was uh, it was almost the exact same house that I think we see on the Facebook page. If I remember correctly, that Facebook blueprint does not show a bathroom on the upper level. And, uh, no, it does not. Thing, You're correct. The interesting thing about that house that we sold in, in Macon was on the lining of the closet on the first floor was still the wood that said stenciled from Sears and Roebuck on it. Oh, where, wow. Where it was shipped in Macon to the buyer. That cool. is neat. So they didn't have an, a second floor bathroom. No. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So you had to go downstairs for a shower? Yeah, absolutely. But that, well, for anything else, too. <laughs> but it, that made the house cheaper, of course. Yeah, I'll bet it did. Um, I'm just looking at the uh, at the uh, drawing to see if there's a way that uh, you could add a bathroom there. Because I would definitely be adding you, bathroom. You could add a bathroom in the upstairs, right? You'd have to replace one of the bedrooms. But it That's looks exactly like what happened at, at the house in Macon. Is they, they did away with one of the bedrooms and put a bathroom in. And it was a, it turned out to be a pretty good-sized bathroom. But... And they, I think they also had a walk-in closet in one corner or something. I mean, it's like I say, it's been it's been thirty-five years ago, maybe forty. But it was uh, it was an interesting experience to to see the house and then see that stenciled uh, piece of wood in the closet that showed that it was shipped from Sears and Roebuck to to the uh, to the buyer there in Macon by rail. And it was, and you sure. sold it when? It's probably been forty years ago. Still, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, it's not a cheap, uh, apparently not a cheaply made home. No, no, no. It was, it was well built, and, and for the time, it was well designed. All right. Brent, thank you for the call. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. 1916 Sears Catalog Home. Shipped the entire house by railroad. Uh, friends and family would come from all around to help the owner build it. Most were built in New Jersey, New York, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Sears sold more than 70,000 mail-order homes between 1908 and 1940. Some enthusiasts estimate that about 70% of the Sears homes are still standing today. Uh, Sears provided building plans, specifications, along with the lumber and any other materials needed. The shipment included everything from nails and screws and paint to pre-built building parts, such as staircases and dining nooks. You know, wow. something that uh, I didn't think about until now, I doubt that insulation came with this home. Because back in 1960, 1916, they weren't insulating, were they? Well, uh, I don't know about 1960, and I know my, my parents' house in Cleveland Heights, the entire attic was lined with cork. and Or asbestos. <laughs> no, it was cork. It was cork. all cork, um, which was an insulator. It's a great insulator. It's a little expensive, but and that house was built in right about the crash, 1929. So, yeah, they probably didn't do a lot of wall insulation, but 
you know, it was it was available. I'm uh, I'm really in love with that house. I know. I think I want it. <laughs> Buy it for me, will you? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, and you know, I've seen some of your work. You could build it for me too. Um, yeah, when I have some time, I, I will get right at that. Yeah, if only somebody could... called and said that Sutherland Lumber here in town still offers uh, kits for homes that you can purchase. Do they really? Yes, that's very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Uh, but then you'd have to find somebody, maybe a remodeler or a builder, somebody you could trust to to help you put it together. We don't know any of those folks. No, no, no. <laughs> do, or do you? Uh, just a few, you know. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. All right. Um, by the way, I talked earlier this morning. I was actually late getting into the studio. My car broke down, uh, and we talked about that to a great deal. But here's the thing, Brian. I, um, I'm, I'm out of e-juice. Uh-oh. Uh, it left it in the floor console of the car. I can help you with that. Can you? Yeah. You, you just need, give me a bottle you need of a ride? Huh? Do you need a ride? I could take you down to Como Vapor and they can hook you up. Uh, no, I was thinking I would just get a bottle of yours. Oh, no, I, I'm out as well, so I'll be driving. We can go down together. And uh, just don't ask for the Gary Nolan discount because they raised the price 20%. Answer the phones. I'm taking a commercial <laughs> break. You're listening to the Gary Nolan Show, and it is the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 11.50. Glad to have you with us. Uh, we're, if we get a chance, we've got a, a story about firearms and banks and credit cards, because uh, that's going through the roof. Uh, also, uh, drinking water from a hose. Who didn't do that as a kid? Uh, we'll play a little bit of that. That's a, a fun piece. Uh, in the meantime, on the Sears house, Greg is on the line. Greg, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Gary? I'm doing well, thank you. I used to own a Sears house. It came on a farm I bought near Paris, Missouri, and uh, it was built in the 20s, and it never had any attention to it. Uh, two old bachelors had inherited the house from the parents and just lived in it, and they had taken the upstairs bathroom out because they no longer would heat and take care of the upstairs, and they added a little bathroom in a closet downstairs. But there's still, uh, still like like Brent's story was. There was still on the inside of closets. That's where you would see the Sears and Roebuck uh, stencils uh, in ink. So did you wood. fix? Did you fix it up, yeah. or did you tear it yeah, down? Yeah, we had it. We had it sighted, and uh, the sighting people said that now this house is sitting on was set on a cellar type basement, a really low ceiling basement with a. Uh, cellar and then the, the boiler was in there as well at one time. Of course, they'd already switched it over to to uh, ventilated heat. But uh, it's less than an inch off on the on each side of the house, putting the siding on. It's still that true to perfectly square. Oh, I thought wow. it was amazing. Wow. Um, do, do you remember how many square feet it was? It's pretty large. I, I would guess it was close to eighteen hundred square feet total, counting both floors. Wow. Uh, of course, there was just four rooms in each floor, basically, and uh, but big, tall ceilings, and the stairwell was uh, was uh, wide steps instead of the old old style narrow steps in most old houses. But wow. it's still standing. The people I sold it sold it off the farm separate, and the people moved in there just happy as clams, and and uh, uh, they put new windows in it since I was since I've sold it. That's. But the structure is going to be there forever. It, it, it didn't show any signs of deterioration anywhere. 
Wow, that is neat. All right, uh, thank you for sharing that, Greg. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, let's head down and chat with Roy. Roy, good morning. Good morning, Gary. I happen to be looking at the same picture with a little bit of experience under my belt. The last words in the description are, except for cement, brick, and plaster. Um, if you look at the drawing, there are windows under the first floor, which is for that smaller basement area that mm -hmm. they imply. And there's a chimney coming out on the elevation in the back between the pantry and the dining room and the kitchen. So this was heated by a boiler or whatever heat source. But I'm just saying the numbers for the price of materials is leaving out, oh, 40 percent of the cost of building today. I don't know what the cost of those materials would have been back then. And one more point when he said it would stand forever. If you can get a picture of old, old pine that it might have been built from, the grain is much finer. If you go to the lumber yard today, you cannot buy for any price the kind of lumber that built this house. Does that make sense or am I off on my wing again? So you're saying it's old, uh, old lumber. A two-by-four is not the same as a two-by-four in 1914. That is correct. Yep. Yeah, that's right. They were actually two-by-four. <laughs> they were... Yes, they were actually two by four, but that's not the point. The trees were mature. We have regrown the forests and cut them down and regrown the forests, but these guys were working from virgin lumber, which you cannot buy. The grain is much tighter. Um, you make up for it. You're not getting robbed, but you can't. Um, they worked with what they had to work with, and we don't have that anymore because you can't grow a 500-year-old tree in 200 years. Well, you could try if you're a friend. Yeah. yeah. If, if anybody wants this thing actually drawn up for fun, let me know. <laughs> yeah, you actually do that, That's don't you? That's what he does for a living. Yes. You design homes. Well, yes and yes and no. Um, people come to us with ideas. We sort out the ideas that are not compatible with with each other and get as close to their dream as we can see they they don't uh, uh, the style of homes today uh, i don't know i maybe call me old-fashioned uh but i like like an english tutor uh maybe a french normandy one of the uh, but some of these homes today they're just they look like boxes yes and this is not a this will not make me popular but I don't really like uh, the high pitch roof uh, with like more than a 12, 12 is 12, 12 is as high as I like. And people that go 14 or 16, I, mm. and I don't like the open concept thing. Right. Just We're working on one that's a, uh, oh, it's going to be a $2 million house um, with a lower pitch. So what is it, roughly, I, I'm just curious, if I sat down with you and said I want a house uh, 2,500 uh, to 3,000 square feet, uh, and I want uh, four bathrooms and a half bath, how much would it cost to have a guy like you put all that together? Okay, with the lousy numbers that you just threw at me, I'm going to say $2,000. And I can get you better numbers if you give me better information, the more information, the better you know what you want. 
So you'll lay out everything, including the wiring, the plumbing? Um, okay. We lay out the plan. If you want us to spot where the outlets will be, that's fine. But the electrician is going to have to go by code. Okay. Well, we work by the hour, and we'll do anything you want. You work by the hour? Yes. All right. All right. That's, that's why I can't just quote you a price. All right. Well, I... An, an architect will work on a percentage, and he has absolutely no... He has reverse incentive to control costs. Well, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not fighting this. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking maybe I have you design something that, uh, that Gwen won't want me to remodel. I assume that you have caller ID. You know the number and reach me whenever you want. I've got your email address. Yeah, I know. All right, Roy, thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Have you ever thought about doing that, Brian? Oh, yes. your house designed? Yes, I have. Because every time you move into a house that somebody else designed, you're always... Like having to alter it to make I it know. fit. It'd be just <laughs> great to have you know a guy like Roy I end up having to strip it down to the studs, which you're doing right now. <laughs> yes, aren't you? I am. It's crazy. And you got what lath plaster? Yes. It's, I think there. There's a. I, I mean, I had to get a. Uh, when I started this, I didn't think about you know dumping the the stuff that's going to come off the walls and like, oh, now wait a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I've, yeah, we're going to have to get a dumpster. I've had that experience. But it's just one small little bathroom. I, you would think, ah, I'll just put that out with... No, it's it's much more than putting it out with the garbage. You'd be surprised how much lath and plaster uh, that you can pull. And there is asbestos in some of those old uh, lath and plaster walls. I don't know if that's a, your case. <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like uh, sounds like uh, what you do when I'm being complimented. But it's it's uh, I've done it. Uh, the powder flies. Um, did you plastic seal off the room so that it didn't spread to the rest of the house? Uh, we, there's a door that I just close, and so everything's fine. Wow. But we put cardboard down on the... Well, I don't think we're going to be able to keep the tile floor that's in there, but for now, we just covered it in cardboard and... We'll see what we have when the uh, renovation is complete. First floor, second floor? That's uh, the first floor. First floor. All right. Well, uh, you know, I've seen your work. I have no doubt it'll look good. We got to run. Glenn Beck is coming up. Sean Hannity. Randy Tobler. You got to listen to Randy this afternoon. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby, honey, I'm coming home.